Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Pinched a nerve in my back this week. Why? Well, yeah, good question. So if I sound like I'm trying to wind it up, that's probably just because I'm getting a bit painful sitting down. Sitting down for too long hurts at the moment. All right, we'll get you the fucking scotch. Clearly, this is just a huge elaborate campaign to try and make sure you get more anaesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Can can we get something uh, a little stronger? That'd be nice. I don't think we can do methamphetamine. <laughs> As a wind's pool <laughs> solution, that, that and might- to be fair, you're gonna find you're gonna have a lot more success trying to find it in your locale than anywhere near where I'm from. That's true. Well, was this the uh, the day of extending interest in the NBA second round? This today was the day where the, the two four seeds who are losing the one four. Uh, games 2-0 decided to have their bounce back game which is entirely by script and it's exactly what you'd expect yeah in the Miami game it almost felt like Miami just just dipped their toe in the water and then after two minutes they just went let's just let's just roll over in this one and we'll come back um we'll come back in two days and we'll not we'll split this we'll take a game off these pricks once they've got all their um energy out of their system and uh and we'll, we'll take a three one back to back to Miami it's just it, the the team that's down 2-0 always comes back hard in that third game. It's like a, you know, it's like trains moving in sidings. It's so, it's entirely what you'd predict. There, there was nothing in either game that sort of led you to go, oh, they've worked it out. No, nah, it was mostly just energy and opportunity and Scott Foster. <laughs> Scott Foster, the equaliser, as I found out. Yes. He's known today. I didn't realise that he had his own nickname. <laughs> is he Edward Woodward or is he, um, uh, who else has played it? Fucking, oh, mate. Um, training day. Denzel. Oh, Denzel. Is he Denzel? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think Queen Latifah is in a remake of that. Maybe he's more of a Queen Latifah. Uh, yeah. It's not good when you know a referee's name. It's even worse when that referee also has a very dramatic it, nickname. It's it's even worse when Chris Paul is two and eighteen in playoff games against the spread when Scott Foster officiates. That's not a statistical anomaly. That the, the likelihood of that happening by chance is just ridiculously low. Well, the other something th- is going on there. I don't know whether Chris, whether it's Scott Foster's, you know, Tim Donahue links. It's happening in, pl- in plain sight. I don't get why this isn't a th- like why Scott Foster is allowed to fucking uh, officiate Chris Paul games because this is this is P minor. You know, is less than point zero five um, confidence. Intervals. This is def. There's definitely shit going on here. Well, not that I want to defend Chris Paul because yeah, well, he's good. a small, angry man who nobody likes. That that's the thing. And, and much like Manchester City under Pep, we would like to see him never succeed because that's funnier. Well, when we say we, I mean me. Yeah, I was going to say. Right now, I'm fairly invested in in the right, how right well now, Chris you, Paul goes. You, you're a bit like a team that's just hired Jose Mourinho. You're like. 
I mean, if, it, if, if I get a W out of it, if yeah. I get a title out of it, maybe it'll be all right. But it won't be all right. And later on, you'll be, you know, scrubbing yourself in the shower thinking, oh, what the fuck have I done? Why did I do this? Why am I like this? Who, who, who's, the, who's the worst player for that? Like DeAndre Jordan? If DeAndre Jordan was in your side and you, and you want, like, not that he's actually influencing the outcome. DeAndre Jordan hasn't impacted winning since, since 2012. Clippers. He, the only he way was, he would impact winning is if you dropped him from a height onto winning, and winning, winning would be heavily dented. <laughs> See, the thing with Scott Foster and Chris Paul is it's entirely plausible that Chris Paul got massively stuck into Scott Foster personally in one game, and ever since he's just had this unconscious bias. He's just, I just don't like you, mate. <laughs> like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unconscious at all. I think it's extremely conscious. Uh, it, it doesn't make any fucking mathematical. Statistical sense. This is not a thing that should be happening. And there's no other- Even to Chris Paul. Yeah, that's right. There's no other- um, Yeah, there's not another ref player combination that's racked up that sort of stat either. Absolutely like- not. I mean, Ed Malloy is a bit sketch in that kind of respect, but- The rest- I mean, Chris Paul has a roughly 500 playoff record. Mal- Malloy, Malloy was the one that didn't like Duncan, wasn't it? I don't know if he didn't like Duncan. The, the funny thing is that um, the one dude who does really well under Scott Foster, Steph Curry, he has a like an a, above average, like even for himself compared to the rest of the referees. He, that, uh, Scott Foster really likes Steph Curry. Oh, no, Joey Crawford was the the ref that didn't Joey like Joey Crawford. Duncan. Yes, he, he's um he's retired now. Yeah. He'd probably. This shouldn't be something yeah. we have to talk about. This shouldn't. This shouldn't be a thing. So the other two series are much more interesting and much more feel like you could change your mind three times in one day about who is going to win them. Um, well, I, I don't know. You see, in both of the other the other series, so the other series are the two three series, the the Dubs and Gri- and Grizz and the. Um, why am I blanking? Oh, the the Bucks and Celtics. Celt- Celtics and the At- Bucks. And the in both cases, the three seed has has got a split in the games against the two seed on the two seeds floor, which gives you the nominal feeling that the three seed, uh, well, the three three seed has taken a home court advantage away for the series, uh, because if you know everybody you know wins on the home floor from here, they end up winning in the seven. So it's hard not to feel that that the Bucks and the the, the Dubs have an advantage in those series, but it's not a very Big advantage. The dubs just don't feel like the dubs of old where Steph gets hot and you just feel like it's, you know, you're a cork bobbing in the water sort of thing. Like, they still feel really professional and competent and good, but they just don't have that feeling of, uh, of oh, my God, you know, they're on one tonight and there's absolutely nothing you can do. Um, yeah, that's probably because everybody is five years older and they don't have Kevin Durant anymore. Yeah. That's probably it. But even even the, the, even might have the a boat, lot to do with it. I guess we always thought Steph would just shoot like that, and he just it, like he's. That's the thing, you know. Ninety. Well, Clay's not shooting like Curry. that either. That's the thing yeah. is they're, they're no longer the, the best. They're no longer the best shooting backcourt in, in basketball, right? I mean, right now they're not. Mm. I'm not sure who is. But I it's guess them. that that they won one and just lost one in a game where Jar Morant was, you know, channeling. Alan Iverson, Michael Jordan, all in the same game. 
Yeah, um, I feel like that in both cases, the three seed would be relatively happy with the way they lost the second game because yeah. um, for the Dubs to lose, it took Ja Morant to go absolutely supernova. And for the Bucks to lose, they they always make the bet with you that, you know, you have to shoot unsustainably well from three to beat us because you're not getting anything inside. And the, the Celtics happened to shoot unsustainably well in game two, like they didn't in game one. And you have to think that that's not going to continue. Because that the definition of unsustainable is that it can't continue. Yeah, it's it, it's like a just trusting the math, isn't it? And the the Bucks just feel like they'll figure it out against. And Giannis yeah. hasn't even played that well. About a Budenholzer team, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's that, that was the surprising thing in that first game is they threw some different shit out there right from the start, you know, and really. Um, you know, really started messing that up. Actually, the the, the most uh, the most sort of pure joy I've got from from a coaching perspective was that second half of game two of the Suns, where like, like actually even even the oh full the, game, the the let's hunt Luca forever game. Yeah, because like I read a bit of stuff about the way that they set that up right, and the fact that in the first half um, they let uh, Luca switch bridges off him. You know, in in the pick and roll, and just let him, you know, let him cook. And the the theory was that that was actually a, a deliberate um, tactic to sort of get Luca hot because once Luca's hot, you know, he's it was just like going, a bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, he's just going to keep going himself the whole first half, and then the second half, they're like, okay, you you know, you've done all the attack in the in the first half. Now you're going to do all the defense, and you're just not going to like it was. But you're still not going to look for any other options on on offense. So you're going to have this tired, overmatched guy in offense who's also being have his ass run off in defense. So the, the the absolute best feeling you can have, sort of as a coach as a team, is when you've got really good coaching and you've got a really good game plan and you've got smart players, and then those smart players go and execute it all the way down to the role players. And that's how that Suns game felt. It's it's almost like. You got the coaches, you got the players that can run it, and you also have an overwhelming talent advantage. Yeah, see what what are the Mavs going to do there? Like they're, four- I mean, they did it right today, but yeah, again, again, getting home in their own beds, bounce back game, it always happens. And the-, the the energy flow in a seven game series is as much a dictator of of who wins which game as anything else. And more more turnovers from Chris Paul in a half than he's had in like whole playoff games this whole playoff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Normally, with a player that had their birthday, he'd say, oh, I would have gone out and had a few drinks, but you know that Chris Paul would have been in bed at 5 p.m. or studying film. Or- no, he would have had a vegan smoothie. <laughs> oh, man. The, 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 funniest, the funniest thing about NBA podcasts at the moment is people from a range of completely seriously to completely taking the piss, suggesting that James Harden's going to go vegan next year and have a bounce back year. It's like they have vegan strip clubs. They have vegan chicken wings. The, the, I was going to say the wings at, the wings at Mag- Magic City aren't vegan, man. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure the chickens that ate them aren't even vegan. They have, you know, vegan bottles of Hennessy and champagne. Like... No, uh, I think that I think that's that's fine as long as they don't use fish, you know, fish-based findings. They should be fine. Mm. Um, I mean, James Harden is James Harden. He's living his life the way he wants to live his life. So, yeah. uh, you 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 take him as you find him, and, and as as we find him, he's he's aging. So, 
like this, although this, it was fine today because they got the bounce back game. They got Joel Embiid back with his fucking MF Doom COVID mask on, and it was uh, it was all you know exactly what you'd expect. But you know it, it felt like it was a punch that Miami chose to ride rather than draw yeah, and defend. Yeah, get a get a game into um, Kyle Lowry's legs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, and, and it just it just feels like. Uh, there's such a coaching disadvantage there too. Like, yeah, the 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 DeAndre Jordan will start because all the players like him. Uh, okay, he must be the best dude. He must be so cool. I, I I aspire to being to be loved by my coworkers and friends and 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 hangers on as much as DeAndre Jordan. He must just be the best fucking dude. He gets a lot of good good run. I was going to say, as somebody of, of middling competence, you know, I think the best way to advance your career is just be really cool, just be a really, really pleasant human being. Yeah, and like you could Something probably- Something I've massively failed at, as you can tell. You could probably do that and, and roll around on the end of the bench. Like, I don't know if you saw that Mavs- Nick Collison's entire career at the OKC. The, the Mavs uh, kept that guy on a two-day and he's just on the bench basically doing the deli towel waving role because he's just- Supposedly, incredibly, really good at it. Posi- you know, positive and manages to you know to do it in a way that doesn't irritate people. And th- th- every time he walks into practice, evidently, you know the the atmosphere just lifts a bit. And I'm like, man, that'd be fucking awesome to have that reputation in the NBA. I mean, that's sort of what Giannis Haslam does at the Heat, except Giannis does it with with dark arts. Mm. But he's only there for vibes. Yeah, he's there to you know he's you know. Being a good vibes guy is, is generally something to aspire to. Well, I sort of liked it how they explained it that, you know, it allowed him to go out on the floor in sort of timeouts. It, it allowed him to be more involved than he would be if he was in a suit. And I'm like, that's a yeah. that's a brilliant way to pay your assistant twi- twice the salary of all the other assistants. Just make him the 15th yeah. man and pay him an NBA wage instead of an assistant's wage. Uh, so, Unfortunately, you've missed your calling. Yeah, that's true. I'm just I'm just starting my um my football career, you know, my you know, start at the under eights. So I should be the soccer is coach by You're gonna work your way what, up. Eight years? Eight years. Yeah, you should be you know, be Carlo Ancelotti before you know it. <laughs> uh I I was explaining something about trying to cut off um uh goal kicks to Curtis today. And demonstrating it, and he was the potato. So now he, he now he calls that that play the potato move. I got two potatoes today, Dad. <laughs> um, They're trying to play out from the back with like fucking some kind of RC analytics based football, are they? No, no, not at this stage. Um, look, we've been burying the the true uh, enjoyable story of the um, of the NBA week in which the Los Angeles Lakers are trying to poach Mark Jackson from the Sacramento Kings, which the fact that that is an actual storyline just really shows you where the yeah. Lakers are at these days. Yes. This is a unedifying arm wrestle between two men who have no arms. This is <laughs> this is really upsetting. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, Mark Jackson can't go to the Kings. He has to go to L.A. He belongs in L.A. I'd much prefer to see Mike Brown go to the, uh, the Kings just so he ends up getting paid by multiple teams again yeah. when he's eventually back on the Warriors bench. Who was the, who was the guy from D- Detroit? Was it Jason Smith? And- no, that was J.R. Smith's brother who was getting oh. – who got 
we got paid by by the by the Knicks. But yeah, Mike Brown was getting paid by the Cavs when he was getting paid by this. He was getting paid by that. And when he was on the Warriors, he had two or three different teams that were still paying him. There, I think was, Mike Woodson's also had that experience. Generally, call yourself Mike and be and get paid a lot. There was a guy that got waived by Detroit, and he had like four years left on his deal. So for some reason, oh, he got was, stretched. Probably, he got, yeah, he got stretched. So like. Years after he'd retired from, or retired in inverted commas from the league, I was looking at Atlanta's cap, and his name was on he their was, cap, was, and I was like, "What?" Wasn't the fuck? Josh Smith in that? Josh Smith was still on someone's cap. Yeah, for, I'm sure. But the ultimate one of these is is a baseball guy called bon, bon, uh, Bobby Bonilla, who retired freaking twenty years ago. But his final contract, it was like thirty million bucks, but he was getting paid a, a billion dollars every year. For thirty years, and the, it's nowhere near finished. So he still gets paid like every day, every year. There's like a day where Bobby Bonilla gets his million dollar check from the Mets, nice. and he's like, you know, fifty years old. <laughs> and and that's probably it was Josh Smith, Detroit Pistons. Wow, he got amnestied. Amnesty International got him released. Yeah, I think I think the problem with the um. So the Kangs coaching search is Mike Brown, Mark Jackson, and Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford's the odd man out there. You know, had Vivek hire someone without 2015 Dubs Ties Challenge is obviously not going that well. Um, someone said Steve Clifford's got heart problems. Giving him the Sacramento head, uh, head coaching job is tantamount to- <laughs> Well, it's unfair. <laughs> that mean, there's a lot of- People eat a lot of beef out there. Uh, just- just hilarious. The, the speaking of a lot of beef, um, Utah. Even Jingles was getting in on the act with with tweeting popcorn gives about the way the Jazz are coming apart. Well, it only it's only enhanced his reputation as one of those top top tier locker guys, isn't it? He is he is premium glue. He is he is the expensive glue that you that you can get from mm. Mitre Ten to fucking glue anything to anything. Yeah. He's not just your fucking store brand. Knock off fucking super glue. He's not clag. He's the ultimate glue guy. He's not clag. Is that what you He is some kind of advanced polymer silicon based adhesive that's used to stick the tiles down on the fucking space shuttle. <laughs> and he'll be wasted on the fucking blazers because uh, they have plenty of things to stop them adhering. Yeah, what? Like, well, he's out of contract anyway, isn't he? I think he's still got. Oh, unless he was expiring. I, yeah. I don't think he was expiring. I thought he had a year left. No, I think he's expiring, which means that. He'll definitely get- I mean, We're all expiring at a certain rate. You know, he- he'll get one of those mid-levels to go and play on a good side somewhere next year. So, uh, Everett, yeah, it turns out- Utah. Th- the other uh, Australian in the league, um, all those people that said, you know, he was just faking a back injury to get his money off off the 76ers, well, fucking probably should stick their heads up their asses. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I was, I was like Rich Eisen, who's the ex ESPN guy, who's basically a football guy, was going like, "I want to see a fucking, I want to see a schedule and the timeline of Ben Simmons, what he had and when he had it." And I'm like, "What the fuck is it to you?" I mean, he's had some complicated shit going on. His brain hasn't worked and his back hasn't worked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which wasn't working on a given day. Neither of them fucking work. So you know, what is it to you? It was quite quite interesting because because this guy, I mean, I quite like Rich Eisen, but he is a, an NFL guy, and in the NFL they have a much more proprietary attitude towards the bodies of the, of the players who play in their league. They feel like they own them mm. in very kind of plantation mentality, 
And I thought I actually I felt a bit sick seeing that kind of attitude being spilled out. It's like, no, you don't have a fucking right to know that. You don't have a fucking right to that information. You're just a fucking flute who talks on the radio. I hope it does sort of give him a reset, though. Well, but who knows, man? Backs are complicated. Um, well, particularly when we, we, in Australia, we think more of them in terms of fast bowlers, who in terms of sportsmen who or sports people for whom backs are hmm. the you know the the absolute horcrux, the the fucking the, the Achilles heel or the, the Achilles vertebra uh, of a career. You know, there's so many uh, so many quicks who've been done by a by a back. Yeah, I guess, it is, I guess it is the difference between being able to function and not being able to function. I guess the only positive is that you can hope that he can ha- has a Pat Cummins sort of career where struggles with it early on, and then gets it right and goes on to enjoy a, a long run in the in the league. Yeah, but I mean, Pat Cummins went went through that when he was still growing. I think because mm. you know a lot of that was he was thrown into, into the Australian side when he was literally a fucking teenager, and his growth plates were probably not even done. You know, growing together. So, yeah. yeah, exactly right. Uh, whereas I think I think Ben is pretty much you know he's he's he is what he is. But yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not going to argue that, that any of the coaching and any of the any of the um, the backroom strength and conditioning stuff that he's gone through at the Sixers was any good because what makes you think the Sixers were ever any good at any of this sort of stuff? Mm. So I mean, look what they did to Mark L. Fultz. It, it is going to be- Look what they did to Newlands Noel and um, fucking oh, fuck, Jalil Okafor and, you know, we can keep going. Um, it is going to be hilarious during the off-season about them tossing and turning whether to just let a large amount of their cap walk or re-sign someone that looks like they're on well over the lip of a very long hill. <laughs> Yes, for a very- the, the, the hill's getting bigger than than uh, than Harden's forehead at the moment. His ability is receding faster than his hairline. Uh, Zach Lowe made the point that that maybe nobody won the Harden Simmons trade, and and he might have a point. It could just be L's L's all around. Well, Apart from everybody else in the East, you didn't actually trade for either of them. Um, uh, the guys on the Hoop Collective were sort of arguing about the Mike Conley. What? You listen to a Windy podcast? Yeah, only for the two Tims. I only listened to the two Tims ones. They were arguing that the the Jazz trade for Conley was very similar to the Simmons trade um, for the Nets, and and uh, Ben Man's like, yeah, but the the Nets did get Simmons. <laughs> like Memphis didn't get anyone as good as you know, as good as that back in the trade. And they're like, oh yeah. yeah, but you know, we're sort of forgetting Simmons. He's like. Oh. It's really, it's quite a big piece to forget. <laughs> yeah, but we we can forget it for this year. We, yeah, when there is. I mean, who knows? Well, who the, fucking knows? The, the, there's more. There's more hope for Ben Simmons than there is for Mike Conley as a, a difference maker in the well, NBA next year. That's well, the sure. thing is, Mike Conley and James Harden. You know, th- there's a lot of uncertainty around Ben Simmons. There's there, there is absolute certainty about Mike Conley and James Harden. They're going downhill. And then, and, and it's not because Mike Conley was a bad basketball player or because he didn't look after himself. He, his game is not aging well and it's going off a cliff. James Harden, it is his fault because of the way he, tre- he, he conducts himself and the way that he, he's not interested in conditioning. His life, his money, he can do what the fuck he wants. In the same position, I'd probably do this. Or, I'd, I might do the same thing. Mm. You know, I, I don't like strip clubs, but you know, I would, I wouldn't necessarily be as, 
if I could get by with just ass and class, I don't think I'd be busting my ass at the gym. Yeah, and the that's, thing that's, is, right. So I have a sympathy towards that, but the reality is that's that's going to take five years off the end of his career. Yeah, so everyone makes jokes about Chris Paul going vegan and all this and all the sacrifices. Isn't it? Yes, they are sort of sacrifices, but the other thing is it's not as much as the sacrifices it would be for James Harden. Chris Paul loves that shit. He loves he yeah. loves the grind. He loves the preparing himself better than everybody else in the league. I, I can. I would, I would say understand. more than he loves it. He needs it. It's, he's absolutely addicted to it. Yeah, he's as addicted to to com- competition and being better and finding edges, and just getting winning everything he ever competes at. Whether it's a momentary trying to get around a screen to the macro of, of titles, mm. that that's what he he is more addicted to that than James Harden is to Hennessy and Magic City. Yeah, but it. It will be funny when they're just the Sixers have to pay him. I was trying to do the exercise right of if if Maury was completely the galaxy brain genius that I don't think he makes himself out to be, but some people make him make him out to be. And he decides. I don't. I don't think he tries to fight the perception. Yes, that's right. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not like that at all. Um, and to be fair, it's a certain kind of NBA fan who sees him as a genius, and it tends to be other. Fat white guys who are, who like maths and aren't good at shooting, mm. um, which is partly why you know the, the player class really resent your Daryl Morey's and your Sam Hankies. Yeah, so Sam Hankies, yes, he's Mister Hanky. If he if he'd managed to read how their careers would have gone out into the future and decided instead of trading Chris Paul to OKC, let's trade James Harden and build around super vegan Chris Paul. I wonder what I wonder whether that Rockets team would have had a better chance of winning in the next two years than I feel like you're setting me up for the bit though, because as as we said offline, mm. I think Chris Paul saw the way it was going in Houston and orchestrated some ridiculous bullshit, Machiavellian bullshit to get himself traded out of there <laughs> by looking completely washed and fucked. Yeah. And, and getting himself packed off to, firstly, a, a small small market team where he could rebuild his rep yeah. and then get traded from there to a contender. And, you know, he is in a much better position now than he ever was. I don't think he was anywhere near as washed as he appeared to be at Houston. You're, you reckon it was a bit of, oh, okay, well, you want me to play this way, then I'll just, you know, I'll play to well, like, I'll, almost like work I'll go real. further. I think I think he's been playing as for Kaiser Soze the whole fucking time. I mean, you know, the, the concept of Kaiser Soze, not not the Kevin Spacey sex pestery kind of side of, of you know the reality of him. But who was on the uh, NBA players executive who lobbied for that super max and made really really old players really really expensive mm-hmm. and turned their contracts into albatrosses. It was Chris Paul yeah. who was the first person to get one of those contracts. It was Chris, Chris Paul, Paul who was there, therefore, you know, if you tried to trade him, you needed to give picks on the way out. It was Chris Paul. So when he got to OKC, OKC had lots of stuff to give away and they weren't too bothered if they went off and traded him to somewhere better. And suddenly Chris Paul has engineered his way from Houston on a failing franchise with a clown owner and a um, nightlife-addicted alleged star to uh, the Suns with a entire raft of amazing <laughs> high draft pick young players, mm. uh, and unfortunately Robert Sarver. But yeah, I was going to say did, that. didn't didn't really uh, upgrade on the ownership situation. Yeah, but, but basically, find me the billionaire who's not a flute. <sighs> uh, yeah, point well taken. All right, Doc. Well, I'm hoping that the you know the Suns just had a bit of game three boredom and will. Bounce back very aggressively, but um, other than that, 
Should they just talk- need to run it at him like um, <laughs> like they were in the in, in game two. You yeah. run it at him. He's, he's just going to be this fucking red-faced little man shouting at refs again and get himself – I mean, it's weird how he doesn't get anywhere near as many tees as Raymond does. But, uh, yeah, mm. I'd, I'd, yes. Draymond's got more more built up years of irritation with the rest. That's true. That's true, and it gives him lots of podcast content. Yeah, that's right. All right, Doc. Speaking of podcast content, yes. Shall we uh, wrap the sport up for this week and come back and talk some tunes? Let's do that. This was Tripping Balls. I was Doc. He was Bezo. In case you didn't know who was who, and uh, we'll be back next week. See ya.